So imagine yeah. being a professional baseball player going out to spring training in your shirt and shorts and you were just in like stock black. No no bird, no O on it, no, no orange, nothing. That's weird. Especially for a big league organization. My That's first year. Quite, quite interesting. Yeah, my rookie year in indie ball, we got just plain green shorts and they wanted them back at the end of the season. I'm like, you want my $12 <laughs> unbranded shorts to give to some other dude next year after I sweated them for 100 games like you're you're serious right now What's, that was that was the management of that team it was it was just where were you at normal my well became, became, my, folded, became so. my my hometown yeah well now it's part of the reason when you nickel and dime everyone it just like puts a bad taste yeah puts a bad taste in their mouth that gave me some feedback by the way whatever you just did um periscope periscope hello everyone we are live uh this is episode three of the morning brushback i'm dan blewett i'm here with bobby stevens bobby what's up man what's going on uh so i want to discuss this concept with you that i just heard and i think it's kind of funny have you heard of the term airport rules yeah yeah you asked i have never well, I heard i've never heard that term <laughs> i haven't either but it makes sense apparently there's no rules in the airport which I definitely understand. But if you want to eat pizza at 9 a.m., you want to eat spaghetti at 4 in the morning, you want to have a you know, a drink at 10 o'clock in the morning or 5 at 10 o'clock in the morning, if you're in an airport, you can do it, I guess. Huh? So yeah. There is no like clock in an airport. No, there's not. So you're on world time. I feel like that's what we reverted to with coronavirus. <laughs> like, and I think that's an apt... Um, yeah, I think it's an apt analogy. Good job, Chelsea. But these are vi- I'm on virus rules right now. I don't know what I have zero idea what day it is. Uh, the only reason I know That's what time minor it league is. baseball rules. That's minor league baseball rules. You don't know what day it is. <laughs> yeah, but you know a back. little bit. You know a little bit about what day it is in minor leagues because you know when you're traveling. I have. I'm. We're not even leaving the house. I'm just here. I'm just. Yeah. I'm. I'm a prisoner at this point. That's true. You. Yeah. You do look like a prisoner. Um, That's a plain white background. The bars, the door's locked. Yeah. Oh, I get thrown my backlight. Speaking of which. I know the audience wants that sweet red glow. We're going to go with red today. Look at that, people. Um, your, wait, your stuff is fancy. This is this nice is a year. This is a year and a half in the making. All this uh, YouTube. Like, if you look at the quality of my first YouTube videos, they're just trash. If you look at any creator on YouTube's first videos, they're trash. And they just ramp up over time. They get better and they get better. It gets easier and easier. But like I was trying to explain to my uh, brother-in-law, cause we did a family zoom call the other day, just cause you know, we can't be together. And um, he asked like about my webcam setup, like, cause obviously I'm way sharper. Like I'm broadcasting from an actual Sony 4k camera right now, um, connected to a $250 mic and has all these cable like it streams into my computer like whatever it's a big setup which is because i already have that camera and i already have that mic whatever he was asking about the setup and it's like there are so many tiers of how you could do things so if you're out there and you're using zoom today and you want to make your video quality better like bob you just bought a better webcam right i did and it took me so many tries to find it everybody (laughs) in the world has bought a webcam every best buy in chicago every office depot there's not one webcam in chicago i got this one at a guitar center which i didn't realize that they needed 
to sell webcams, but they do <laughs> to survive. Dude, the foot, the foot traffic running in and out of Guitar Center is insane. Insane. There was a line. There was a line. There was a line. Swear to God, 10 in the morning. People need backyard banjo players more than ever. People need that guy at the party who's just going to whip out his guitar and sing a song that no one (laughs) wants to hear. They need him more than ever. If there was ever a group of people that had coronavirus, they were congregating in the audio section at Guitar Center. Yeah, surfer dude with some, you know, Jack Johnson remix remixes. He is in demand. This is his time. This couple, is his time yeah. now. A couple guys that refuse to wash their hands. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's just it's it's complicated to set all this stuff up. But I mean, to your point, my the quality of my videos ramped up over time. The quality of my editing, like I edit all the time now, so I'm getting better at it. Those are just, I mean, like everything in life, it just takes time. You acquire skills, and it just the process so i my first zoom was what last week and i feel like it looks great yeah it's fantastic looking i think we're getting there i think we're getting there man um well and the other thing is like audio quality for podcasts like two years ago doing my own podcast with lucas cook and uh and myself and guests just like the call-ins weren't as good like the call the video the quality from zoom audio is very good which is exciting to me because i hate when you have a podcast where someone's in the studio it's like phenomenal sound right the, the host has beautiful audio and then they call their guests and it sounds like they're shouting across a gymnasium into a speakerphone and i'm always on like speakerphone always. not the way to do it well it's classic you <laughs> so we got more tommy john news to talk about thor is, is going down i know tommy what's, john what's watch. going on man this this has become the tommy john watch yeah thor. well it's probably gonna end but hey, does one. he have a history of of being hot Degrom was the one i thought that had the history maybe i'm mixing them those two up i don't follow the mets that much um or was Syndergaard? does anyone follow the mets i don't know i got one but... friend that follows the mets and he's not happy about it <laughs> uh i don't know i don't know if i think this is his first tommy john but i i can't say i should do more research no i don't think he's had tommy john i i didn't know was he hurt recent was he hurt in the last couple of years or was that the grom um, one of them has been hurt one of them has been hurt a few times it might i think i'm just a, i think i'm just a bad mlb reporter at this moment let me pull up mlb trade rumors which is my only source of contact with the baseball world jeff passan well he tweeted he out MLB the, guy? He, he, he tweeted out the story yeah i'm gonna start breaking mlb news that's totally false just <laughs> well just Copy and paste someone else's breaking news and just right on your own. It says breaking in this all caps. Breaking news. Breaking news. And then just that's how you do it. They can't say it's not breaking. It's a, immediately. You can explain it away. Um, so we have some guests lined up for the show, huh? We've gotten some some friends reaching out to us. We're we about gotta, to be sponsored by Zoom after your little spiel there. Well, I am welcome to help people. And well, long story short, I actually have a webcam right here i'm gonna mail it to my brother-in-law and uh up his up his game because i feel like everyone just i don't here's the thing i don't understand like we have iphones that are is so technologically advanced right but the webcams that they build even into three thousand dollar brand new laptops are still 720 by 1280 they're still 720p why is the world's webcam supply coming from like 1984 russia I don't understand. I don't know what. Why don't we have a 4K? Means. 
there's 4K, 1080p. So 1080 was the HD standard for like last 10 years. Now it's 4K. And then 720p is like was crappy HD back when I was like 15. So 720 is what your camera does. That's the highest resolution it'll do. 1280 pixels wide by 720 tall. Um, which is okay for like viewing on a mobile phone, but I just don't understand like when there's 4K phones, 4K cameras in your phone, why you can't put a 4K camera in a computer. You're a webcam, webcam. you're a webcam snob, you know that? I am a webcam snob. Uh, but it's just it's just ridiculous. Like people <laughs> video call more today than ever. And when you buy a new computer, like this Lenovo laptop that I use is pretty new, got it in November. And for two grand, you should be able to get just like the same webcam quality that's on your stupid smartphone. Like a smartphone costs $200 now. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand like why they, they make those decisions when Apple's like re-engineering laptops, all these companies are bring out the, the latest and the greatest. And they're like, what kind of webcam should we put in there? You know, there's a board meeting to discuss the specs. What kind of webcam? Let's go with the same quality we've had since 1980. Yeah, that sounds good. You know what? Everyone agree? Yes, they drop the gavel and it just doesn't make sense. I don't understand. I'll make a few calls. I'll let you There's know. a global conspiracy is what I think honestly is happening. Um, we so can yeah, transition so, into other conspiracies if this is where the no, because that. So for those of you viewing, if you don't know, Bobby and I don't talk about a lot of things, notably <laughs> Donald Trump, uh, vaccines. Um, you believe in the Easter Bunny, probably too, right? Coming up, we'll find out. I got. I set my webcam up overnight. Uh, Bobby refuses to believe anything. You just take this like this infuriatingly ag- agnostic point of view. You're like Trump could be uh, really selfish, or maybe he's not. He could be Look, like, I, uh, really. It's like, it's like there are like some things that are objectively maybe true, and and I'm gonna toe the line. It's not towing the line straight. when you never make a decision. It's towing the line. Straddle the line. Straddle the line. You, you like don't have any information to make a decision. I've got my Twitter up right now. My Twitter feed is full of virus information right now virus information I, everything i could be i could be the world's leading expert on the coronavirus at this point well i do find it fascinating what liberty university is doing they're just like oh no lynchburg virginia yeah we don't want the kids to miss out on college so just call them back so like, oh great just throw the whole quarantine thing into uh into disarray it, it just doesn't make any sense to me it makes sense and through the lens that he just doesn't seem to care or Jerry Falwell Jr. or subscribe to science. I mean, every person in the world is saying, hmm, that's a bad idea. Uh, and that's putting all their instructors at risk, especially, and their students too. I can't imagine um, anybody is in a hurry to get back to Lynchburg, Virginia. No. Being someone who's frequented there and also lived there, it is uh, awful. It's- as the, Plus, for any viewer, for anybody, if there's God help you, if you are viewing this and live in Lynchburg, I, my apologies. The Kmart's nice and the tractor supply top notch, <laughs> but that place is just brutal. Well, ironically enough, it's called Liberty, but they have vastly reduced liberties if you're a Liberty <laughs> student because of, it's such a religious school. I mean, I, our do you know Sean Tuffle? Did you play with Sean? I did. One of my teammates, our mutual teammate then, Sean Tuffle, went to Liberty. And I I, I probably gave him crap about going to Liberty every other week. 
be like, hey, Sean, when did you learn to dance? I know they don't let, you know, they don't allow dancing at Liberty. And he's like, Dan, we could dance at Liberty. I'm like, Sean, when did you first hear real music? Because I know they don't let you listen to music at Liberty. He's like, we could listen to music. He's like, I don't know why you have all these misconceptions about Liberty. But it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible, the town is nice people, just nothing to do. I'm sure there's like a Buffalo Wild Wings. Well, that's like a lot of colleges too. No, this is this is extreme. Well, you went to Northern Illinois. I mean, How? What's, what do you mean? There? The the Northern <laughs> Illinois University. It's a Harvard of the Midwest. Is it though? Yeah, are you kidding? I phenomenal academic school. I mean, I remember looking up, I think my one of my summer teams had a game near DeKalb, Illinois, which is where De- Northern De- Illinois is. DeKalb, DeKalb. DeKalb, sorry. Um, <laughs> and I got depressed just looking at the Google Maps. I was like, "Oh, that what you oh. got you get a branch out of your bubble. The Kelb is a destination spot in the northern uh, part of Illinois. Is it? They have like an old wooden uh, like water park or something. They've got Slide a bridge and splinters and there's a bridge. Cornfest, Cornfest 2020. No way they cancel it. <laughs> there's no there's no way. <laughs> All right, enough, uh, enough about my fine. So alma mater. Um, Okay, I'm, I went to UMBC, which is no livelier. It's uh, everyone stays in and does computer science on Friday nights. So it's um, serving you well now. Ironically enough, I do a lot of stuff with the computers, even though I did nothing with computers and studied philosophy. So there you go. Um, so Bobby, I want to talk today about uh, the softball swing versus the baseball swing. What do you got? Same swing. Next question. <laughs> okay some people say i mean they're like you know you know girls are a little weaker when they're younger if they cut down their swing if they kind of change things they make more contact how do you feel about that i would not teach a softball player to swing any differently um so one of the girls uh at the facility that uh i have up here in chicago does i i refer any softball um, players to her just because she's a professional softball player. You know, she's got the experience. She teaches slap hitting, which is a totally different, uh, you know, idea. You want to get a little bit of a running start, put the bat in the ball. And basically you're halfway down the line. By the time the, the ball reaches the, the fielder, you're safe all the time if you can execute that. But the swing itself, mechanically, you know, the, the idea of how you get set up, you know, into the back hip, everything I would teach a baseball player, I teach a softball player. You know, I, I'm seeing the, you know, there's a, the same thing we talked about Monday that Jeff Fry kind of threw out that same thing, baseball versus softball. And it, he was good. He was kind of uh, steering himself towards the point of the ball is different, which is obviously true. Um, you know, I'm, if I'm going to give a softball lesson, I'm going to use softballs, but the same way I would teach a baseball swing is exactly how I would teach a softball swing. Now the philosophy might be different where put the ball in play uh, is more emphasizing softball. Maybe I'm not, you know, I don't coach softball. I do actually like watching softball. I don't know if you watch softball. Um, I've gone to a few softball games. I've been to a professional softball game. Like the, the pace moves. I mean, it's, it's the pace of play that you want baseball to have the ball, the balls in play, like everybody's flying around the bases are obviously only like 65 feet maybe so i mean you're the the game is moving fast 
but only only 65 feet maybe <laughs> i don't know so whatever it is there's there's 60 feet for 60 feet okay so exactly it's like three steps i mean if the, that was if that was baseball if the speed of softball was baseball you would have a lot more interest i think um yeah i mean that's an interesting point i, I watched uh like five or six division one softball games uh, this spring before they got canceled um i didn't find it more exciting than baseball uh there's definitely differences. Obviously the infield is so small that putting the ball in play does matter because just the reaction time is so, so short. They can punch a ball through the hole pretty easily. Um, the thing I found interesting was watching slap hitters, which obviously doesn't exist in baseball, but you start thinking about slap hitting and obviously that's a completely different swing that we're not talking about right now. But when you start talking about slap hitting, they don't have to hit the ball that hard to get through the infield. They just need to punch it and that works. Right. So yeah, you need to, Put the bat on the ball. Yeah, and I hadn't watched much slapping at all. So just seeing them in action was was interesting because, you know, one, two, maybe three hitters in the lineup are slappers. So whether they're spraying a line drive over the infield or just trying to punch it in there and, and run, and um, it's a lot easier for them to get it through the infield than I thought it would be. So that was a revelation for me. Yeah, being um, a lefty has its, has its major advantages in softball. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, one of the games was walked off on a slapper, hit a line drive over the infield the opposite way, ball game. So, um, yeah, so, but I mean, one of the things, so one of the big hitters from one of the colleges, and I was impressed with her and her at bat, she was fighting off some pitches. She got an off-speed pitch eventually. I think she got a change up. And you could see her sink down into her back knee, which is what good hitters clearly do. Like when they're fooled, they don't leak forward. They, their back leg tends to just kind of sink straight down and then they keep on the same, I don't know, the same body position. I'm not a hitting guy, but I'm, but I'm watching her and I see her and I actually caught this uh, double that she hit to the, to the warning track on, um, on high speed video on 500 frames per second, slow motion. And it was really impressive to see her get fooled, make this adjustment with her lower half predominantly, keep her hands in a position where they could stay back. And then she still got to the ball and almost got the ball out. So I was pretty impressed with her. And, and if you look at that swing versus any high-level baseball player, you, like that's the same swing. Like she was, she was a, a very accomplished, impressive hitter. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would definitely teach it the same. It's the same principles of, you know, hitting is reactive. So you need to be in a good position to essentially get your swing off when you decide that it's time, when you recognize what the pitch is, you know, the, the two main differences between pitching and hitting one's proactive, one's reactive, you know, pitching kinetic chain is, you know, it's going to be the same every time you're going to, cause you're in control of the baseball, whereas hitting you're basically at the mercy of the baseball or the softball. So you need to be in a good spot to launch. And I would teach the same way, hitting, getting into the back hip with a baseball player as I would with a softball player. Um, you know, I know the pitches are different. I know the ball is different, distance, everything like that. But at the end of the day, the swing is the swing. Um, and you're trying to accomplish the same thing. You're trying to get yourself in a good position to react to the pitch. And whether that ball is rising as a, you know, softball rise ball or your sinker slider, you know, everything else that a big league pitcher might throw, uh, those mechanics to me are the same. I would, I would not trade, I would not have a different trade off unless you're teaching slap hitting or something, you know, specific yeah. to softball. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to see the difference between men and women. And it's, uh, 
this is an interesting debate, obviously, because, you know, there's the feminist movement and there's just like lots of, I saw it on, I think Twitter the other day, and I was actually listening to a Joe Rogan podcast with Ben Shapiro on it, who I don't know anything about him, about Ben Shapiro, but listening to his views, um, many of which I agree, which I agree with. Yeah, he is. Um, but talking about this idea that women can do anything that men can do, which is like, isn't biologically true. Um, there's no woman that can throw a baseball 92 miles per hour. That's just, it's never happened. Not yet. Um, and it's not disparaging, just like differences in, in biology and testosterone and muscle mass, all that stuff essentially precludes some of these activities. Like, but anyway, so my point is that there's some biological differences that should be accounted for, but at the same time, there's no real mechanical difference. Like you watch a girl who throws really well, throw a softball or throw a baseball. There's no mechanical difference. There's just a major strength difference um, between a boy her age or a man her age or the same size or whatever. Um, And obviously there's some, a lot of women who can outrun a lot of men. Um, But when you get to the very tip top, like the hardest throwing humans on the planet are all men, the fastest, fastest running, um, humans on the planet are all men. Um, that's not to say that women don't do it as technically sound because they do and they can swing the bat. And that's sort of my point is that they can swing the bat the exact same as men. They can throw a ball the exact same as men mechanically and, uh, and, and tap into as much of their potential as they can. Um, so, but it's an interesting thing when people either start to handicap and say, Oh, the softball swings different. They should swing like women should swing. Like there is no difference. They should swing the same as any human should swing. And the same thing with throwing, you don't really see a difference. The thing you see in softball throwing, like overhand throwing, is they're just the teaching is so backwards and there isn't like the set of fun, like good set of fundamentals that's taught from start to finish with young players, where when you go watch D1 softball games, more than half the players from what I've seen recently have major flaws in their throwing mechanics. And these are D1 players, which you don't see that in baseball. You don't see a shortstop pushing the ball across the diamond at a D1 program. Like they, he just couldn't make it at you know doing that but because the softball field is so much smaller it allows you to have get the same result with reduced velocities because it's more reaction time it's a short throw um you can throw the ball 40 feet with bad mechanics and it'll still get there about the same speed as if you threw an absolute missile you know what i mean right right yeah we have your arm, uh, your arm doesn't get exposed as often the long throw from short in baseball or from third is going to expose a bad arm it's like sorry kid you can't play at this level because runners are too fast yeah, no doubt. It definitely the size of the field is going to is going to make a huge difference. We've actually got a I mean, I, I feel like everybody's got this story, but um, uh, we've got a, a girl on one of the teams that, that I run uh, 12 years old who I mean, she throws bullets. This girl throws absolute bullets. Um, you know, and I can remember playing Little League like seven, eight, nine. And there was always a girl in the league that was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I still remember who it was like when I was younger. She threw hard. You know, and then obviously as you get older and boys start to hit puberty and for whatever, um, you know, physical changes they start to make, you know, they get stronger, their bodies develop differently. Um, We've always, you know, the boys are always throwing harder, but, uh, you know, we've had girls in the program, at least for my program, where they've thrown hard. They've been just as athletic, if not more athletic than the boys. And, you know, this is pre-puberty, so you know, girls seem to develop a little bit earlier. Um, you know, uh, I don't know the biology of, of any of this stuff, but girls, you know, from what she's, she's just on par with all, you know, a lot of the boys that are 
her age and she throws harder and she hits the ball farther. And there's actually an all girls baseball team in Chicago that started up. Um, they're getting a lot of press. Um, that's good. So it's, yes, yeah, she were, she's going to play on that team as well. It's, it's cool. They're, they just did something on, um, on the news that I'm going to post a clip of on our, uh, on our website and stuff. It was cool. She'll be, she'll probably be one of the top players on that team too. Yeah. I mean, we had a softball, uh, girl, my Kevin, she was only 14 hit 70 miles per hour overhand, which if she was running a baseball, she could probably throw that ball 75, probably a little more. 75 is 14. Really is, impressive is for boy or girl. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are some really good arms out there and, you know, maybe they can with obviously so much has changed in the strength training world in the last five, 10 years that maybe they can still keep inching up and, you know, women, they've already cracked the college baseball ranks in some spots, but, you know, it'd be good to see a, a female player in, you know, D1 baseball and hold her own as a pitcher or an infielder, outfielder, or whatever. It just gets so much tougher, especially with wood bats. Um, they're just like, there are lots of strength requirements as you continue to climb up that just make it tougher for smaller players in general. You don't see, yeah. you don't see men in division one baseball below 180 pounds. It's extremely rare. You need and to be strong, really no muscular. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's just athletic qualifications, you know, um, I know a guy who was in the, in the special forces and he was just talking about how they refused to lower the standards of entrance into the special forces for women. And, and now there are some women that can, that can, do those pull-ups and can do all those same physical metrics that men can, which is impressive. Um, because they said, this is, these are the standards to do the job, not just for a man, but for any human. Right. And so women have risen to meet that, which is great. Um, but you know, it's, it's just in, incremental progress, I think with everyone. But I mean, again, the, the point just doubles back. Like there's no, there's no, from what, when we talk about mechanics of swinging a bat, swinging a golf club, throwing a ball, kicking a ball, there's no difference man man to man to woman there just isn't are there I biological agree, different differences in the output sure but that doesn't matter i mean mechanically we shouldn't be handicapping softball players and holding them back like they swing like swing like a human is really just what it is yeah i agree with that speaking of which do you think college baseballs are going to go to wood bats i wish they would i hate the pinging it i think the one the only good thing that's about the college baseball season being down is there's less pinging that sound in the air. I don't like the ping. I like the wood. I like the crack of the bat. You think it'll uh, ever happen? I feel like it's getting closer, you know, as much as nobody talks about it. Um, the uh, what's the, what's the holdup, right? What's the, what's the reason? Is it cost the cost of providing a wood bat to, or multiple? That's a wood good bats? question. I mean, you know, what's the holdup? I, I think, the quality of college baseball would significantly drop with wood bats. I mean, you just don't have guys on a, a lineup of nine that can, at least right now, that can yeah. handle wood bat. Um, you know, a season of wood bat. It's just not the same. Now, it might go hand in hand with the minor leagues being, you know, reduced by 40 something teams. I mean, if you can put college and make college all wood bat, you essentially create what basketball and football have, and you have your minor league system Yeah, with college baseball. Right now, college baseball is nowhere <laughs> near playing minor league baseball. It's just not. You're not seeing yeah. the same quality, and you're still probably not going to see the same quality of arms. But the biggest transition for any baseball player, college professional level, level is, the, is the transition to wood bat. 
consistently. Most guys can do it. Obviously, if you're getting drafted, you've got the talent to do it um, or you wouldn't be there. But to somehow make college baseball the de facto minor leagues um, where you, MLB could take advantage of the product instead of it just being a, a lower level um, of baseball or a next rung of baseball from high school before professionally. Uh, so at some point it's going to happen. Um, whether or not the bigger companies that make aluminum bats have a say in it, which money talks always. Yeah. I think that's a big driving factor for sure. I also wonder, you know, you have 30 guys, I don't know, say you buy 25 bats for your team for a college team. That's just a number that's maybe realistic. I don't know. Um, for aluminum. For, yes. For aluminum. Yeah. What? 30, 300 bucks a pop on average, probably. So yeah. 75. How much money is that? 7,500 bucks in bats? Right. But they're so, getting a deal. You know, they're getting those deals. Whereas if you're getting the, the stock you would have to have of wood bats. I mean, guys are going to break wood bats in batting practice. I mean, unless they go to something like a bomb bat where they don't break or a composite wood yeah, where it's harder to break. But at that point, why are you, are you benefiting anybody to bomb bats are 200 plus dollars 250 dollars maybe so mm-hmm. to use i would pr- much prefer to use a a real wood to a bomb bat bomb bats just feel soft to me um but it, yeah I, is it money a driving factor again are, are these is is alabama baseball program usc baseball program are they paying for those bats or are they just getting those bats because if they're just getting them you know that there's no reason for them to switch and start paying for wood because the wood bat market is is stretched thin. I mean, Louisville is obviously a big big provider, but you know the best guys in the game aren't using really using Louisville woods as much as they used to. There's so many smaller yeah. companies, and these companies thrive on sales. They're not just giving bats oh, away. Companies thrive on sales. Sage <laughs> wisdom. Companies. Sage sage hey. wisdom. Sage wisdom. I've heard Look, Apple also thrives on sales. This is why you come here. For these, for these t- nuggets. <laughs> um, well, two, two, two thoughts uh, with that. Number one, yeah, I mean, and you know the difference. Like in my rookie season in lower leagues and in pro ball, my teammates were breaking 20, 30 bats a year, it seemed like. Breaking bats a lot. And then right. you get to these higher level leagues where guys have like four bats the whole season. Right, they're swinging like a good maple bat, but they're so much better than lower level players at actually sit, hitting the ball on the barrel all the time. When they get fooled, they still foul it off on the barrel, whatever. But they just, yeah, they're know. in the sweet spot. They're definitely they're in, you know, professional yeah. hitters are in the sweet spot. College hitters are the well, best not even just professional, but like good professional. I mean, there's right. a difference in, in no, how definitely. many bats you're spending in a year. And I think I've thought that was really interesting. Where you hear Joey Votto, he uses like the same bat the whole first half of the season. Yeah. Like that's He's a crazy. Freak. That doesn't People count. don't understand how impressive that really is. That's incredibly impressive. Like it's not that hard to break a bat. And when you suck, like as a pitcher, like I got some of bats one of my seasons, when you suck as a pitcher, like you could break a bat just like fouling one off on like the second pitch. Like it's easy guys, to break a bat when you suck. You see guys break bats, multiple bats in one at bat. Yeah. Or yeah. – you know, you foul one off the end and it's, it you know, it splinters a little bit and then that's it. You toss that bat to the side and that's, you know, there's no way there's, 
currently there's no way they could do it without it costing exponentially right. more. Agreed. The other but thing it makes I, sense. I mean, if you're MLB, it makes sense to get free minor league baseball and college baseball would be that, you know, for them. I don't know if it, if they want that. I mean, I don't know. It's probably not. I don't think college baseball is ever purported to be a feeder to, to, or to minor league baseball, especially when you start looking at the attitudes of coaches and we start talking about pitch calling, like they don't care if they're developing you. I mean, if they really cared about your development, if they really, really, really cared about your development, a lot of decisions would be made differently. Yeah, um, but that's the same. They, need, could, a, they could, would need to win games. Yeah. You're talking about, I mean, I watched college basketball a little bit, but, you know, college basketball coaches are the same thing. Are they developing these kids? Or, I mean, the coach of Virginia preaches defense. I mean, they're playing games in the 40s at for college basketball. So does it really matter? Like for them, it doesn't matter. But at the same token, they've always, they've had a few first rounders come out of that program. Now those guys, their games might not have suited the Virginia basketball, you know, way of life, but they still went to pro professional basketball. Um, so I, you know, I think it's, you could, it's the same for football, basketball, and baseball. I mean, the coaches are going to try and win their jobs depend on winning. Um, some of these kids are going to develop better than others. Their talent's going to show through. I think it's just hard to, to look at talent in college baseball and project it, how it's going to look in, prof- in not just professional baseball, but uh, major league baseball, which is where you're trying to get to. Like NBA, you know, you, there is the G League, but you get drafted in the first round. You're not going to the G League. Like you're going to the NBA. You're going to get your shot against LeBron. Uh, Football-wise, I mean, there's a practice squad, but – there is no XFL minor leagues. Like you get drafted first, second round NFL, like you're expected to show up and be the dude at your position yeah. for baseball. You're the number one pick overall. You go to a ball or, you know, yeah. fingers you crossed. You go to obs- obscurity. Yeah. You go to double a ball and you just got to prove yourself against guys that have been there five, six years, you know, with just as much talent. They just don't have the, the signing bonus paycheck. Yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think it's not wrong to say colleges, that's not their goal to develop, you know, minor league or obviously it's good for them if guys go into minor league baseball, but you know, one such decision is pitch calling. Like, especially if you're a really good school and you don't let your guys start to learn how to call pitches, like you're, you're clearly not seeing into their future as a minor leaguer where they're going to call every pitch from game, you know, from day one, obviously tons of development happens. That's just one small aspect they're developing these players like they are. But when you start to talk about decisions like that, you know, if you know, this guy's going on to this level, you should be preparing him to call his own pitches, but they're not. That's just like not a thing they do. Yeah. I mean, and you see it too with like coaches who get pulled from NCAA basketball straight into head coach NBA. Uh, same thing, you know, Nick Saban could was pulled to be an NFL coach. Co- college coaches get NFL all the time. Go to the NFL. I don't Is the guy from Vanderbilt, uh, Corbin, is he going to get a big league coaching job? I mean, there's just like the, the old, the old, uh, the old guard and baseball still reign supreme. Like you need to work, you need to, you know, take your lumps, work your way up. You know, I, I can't, I can't picture, think of anybody that's gone from college baseball coaching straight to big league, at least big league head coach. I know that, you know, guys have been, bench coaches or third base coaches or what have you. Yeah, it's, it's changing now more than ever. That's for sure. Cause I know the diamondbacks offered their uh, big league pitching coach job to the Texas Christian pitching coach. 
right? Who was a big league, who, who is a big leaguer himself? Yeah, but you're not going right. to become a, a big league manager after being a college manager. No shot. Right. Well, that's the whole thing. Is like the to, the most successful college baseball coach of this generation has been the guy of Vandy. You know, why isn't he getting looks to be the pick a team? You know, the the Mets head coach or the yeah, the White Sox head coach, whoever, whoever's looking for a head coach. You need to stop saying head coach. You need to say manager. Manager, whatever. Well, and like for one example, um, Ed Blankmeyer from St. John's, like super well-respected, um, you know, 25 years at St. John's University. He's uh, now the Mets uh, field coordinator. So that's like a pretty big jump. Like he's high up in the hierarchy. I'm sure he's only in the Mets. And I'm just, I'm not speaking with any, um, this is my speculation, but I'm sure he's in their system now as like a potential big league manager someday. Right. Like that's his pedigree. Uh, and that's probably the first stepping stone job. That's that it. Ladder. Yeah. But that's interesting though. Cause field coordinator is at least when I was playing, it was the guy that ran spring training, the guy that stays at the spring training complex and handles all the rehab stuff. You know, he's going team to team. He's not necessarily managing a team. So he's almost like on a different branch of management. Uh, well, I think it's still he's more of a front point. office. He's more of like a front office pathway. You know, he might be the assistant GM. Um, you know, he might have a better chance of getting into the front office as opposed to getting on the field side uh, in the big leagues, like a, the manager versus the GM. I feel like he's on more of a manager. Well, that's changing more than GM ever. Path. It's no. all fluid now. And the GMs, I mean, like even in Chicago, that's like the big thing is they hired David Ross. But is Theo Epstein the one? you know, the puppet master basically sending down to David Ross, you know, this is what we're doing today. This is the lineup. You know, I give you, you're, you're basically the, you're the mouthpiece for me. Well, uh, I don't think it's quite like that. I, I think it's, I think there's definitely more collaboration, but I don't think the ups. Well, that's the rumor is like, that's the, not, you know, that's the thought process is that Joe Madden and Theo couldn't coexist because Joe Madden's got his style and he's the manager, like he's the baseball guy. And Theo, the front office, wanted more say after, you know, some disagreements with Joe. And, you know, there's only – there's not many Joe Maddens left. How many guys can walk in the room and demand something as a manager in baseball? You know, there's a handful of those guys. The rest of them are basically beholden to whatever the front office wants. Yeah, I mean, I think – I think there's some validity to that. I, I think there's also that there's just so much – out there information that everyone's got to make decisions as a team. And that includes the manager. Whereas back in the day, there was the front office and that, and the managers on the field. And it's like, don't come on my field. But now there's just no, there's no seam between all of this. And, and rightly so, like you have all these analysts in the front office that have a lot of good data to share of like, Hey, we should consider making a decision based on some of this data that we've collected. Like some of the, the stuff we're talking about with the, the, you know, the starting rotation, whatever it is, or, looking at this, getting this guy in a trade, or maybe if we ordered, you know, this hitter who's got a, a really high walk rate or a really high contact rate or whatever, maybe if we put him behind this other guy in the lineup, maybe they'll pair well because of some of the analysis we've done. There's a lot of interesting stuff that exists like that. And that stuff needs to be brought to a manager's attention. And then if you're saying, hey, manager, you know, we've got a lot of good information to share with you that we think can help the team win, that's maybe lineup decisions, you know, relief, uh, you know, bullpen decisions starting. And then the manager's like, nah, I don't like any of that. 
that's not a good position to be in either. It just, it needs to be like this round table now because everyone's got something to bring to that table. And so you, it just can't be the way it used to be. And I'm not saying you're saying that it was, but I think there's just going to, I tough. think what do you do? the manager you know? is just going to have his slice of his slice of the pie of, um, of the decisions he can make and like running that team. Like, I mean, why would you have a huge analytics department then to just let your manager go rogue and make whatever decision he, he wants, which seemed to be happening, happening. And that was part of the complaints with um, Mickey Calloway in the Mets, you know, last year. People were complaining that well, it's like, what decision? Like, where? Why did you make that decision? Well, that's like a field thing. That's a that's a guy that's been around that that's around the team, you know, around these guys twelve hours a day. Whereas, you know, this kid, this guy on a righty righty matchup, you know, is is the go to guy according to this, to analysis. But, you know. Dan Blewett's been lights out for us the last two weeks. Like I'm going to go with the hot hand or, you know, this guy's really good righty lefty matchup, but you know, we've got a guy here. Uh, you know, I've got a guy on the bench here that I trust. Give me a, a good at bat. Like we need a situational at bat, you know, where's the crossover is there a crossover, you know, the manager's always going to take the fall for not following what the analytics say, but if he, you know, guesses correctly, or not guesses, but if he makes a decision and it, and it works in his favor, is he going to get the credit for the feeling, the gut that he had or the, or the baseball, you know, that's where like the baseball knowledge is, you know, this well, guy's salty. This guy knows what he's talking about. Like, I'm going to listen to the, to what Joe Madden thinks, you know, this is why we're going to use the bullpen this way. And I think Joe Madden's a good, a really good example of a guy that crosses over you know, he understands what analytics are, but at the same time, it's like, you know, keep it simple. Um, you know, I'm going to ride, you know, Brian's my best hitter right now. He's getting on base a ton. I'm going to bat him lead off and we're going to see what happens as opposed to, well, the analytics say that he's better in the two hole. Well, he is, but we need him at the one. We need him leading off or whatever, however he uses a bullpen. I mean, there's, what's the crossover? What do you do if you're, you know, if you're the manager and, you know, your boss is telling you to do something one way, but your gut's telling you to do it this way. Well, yeah, and I, and I can appreciate that point of view. It just, we need to like sort of quantify what gut means. Like, is it just a guess? Like, is it, is it based on something like, so, so for example, you're talking about one versus two all hitter. So say like, you know, data says whatever data, could just be looking down the stat sheet. Like say you're a youth coach and you're looking down the stat sheet and says, yeah, it looks like I should probably hit this guy too. Oh, he's got a little more pop. He's not really like the traditional one all hitter. Um, but say, he really likes leading off and he really sees a lot of pitches and he's really good. And he likes starting the game off for the team. Like he's a fire, like he can start the team off really well. He's like that firecracker. Maybe that's a good argument to put him in the one hole versus the two hole or vice versa. You might have someone who's like prototypical leadoff hitter, you know, softball or baseball, like spark plug, sees a lot of pitches, gets on base, steals a base, but they're just scared about being a, yeah. a one hole hitter. Like everyone's looking at you, you're starting the game off. And that first about the game for them just sucks because mentally, which baseball and softball are very mental sports. That's just a, that's a thing that's not going to show up on stat sheets. Right. So as a coach, that's not, I guess you could qualify that as a gut decision. That's not really a gut decision. Gut decisions like, ah, let's bring Randy in here. I just think, I really think he's going to have it tonight. Like that's BS. But what's what's your issue with this Randy? Listen, Randy doesn't know what he's doing. Um, (laughs) He just can't come through under pressure. But if we're talking about, you know, like Dan's had four out of six pretty good outings recently. I know his ERA is still higher. I know he's not quite as good against righties as Bobby is. 
Um, but he's, you know, he's had a string of really good outings. I'm going to bring in Dan. I was good against righties. You could call that a, you could good. call that gut, but that's still based on something. Like I've had four out of six good outings recently. Right. And you, you'd see me throwing the ball well. Whereas if it's just like, I've got a five ERA and I pitched okay. And you've got a three ERA and you pitched okay. You're like, but you know what? I, I just really believe in Dan tonight. That's a stupid decision. That's a stupid gut decision. Like you can't just go with gut if you don't have a really good, something showing you them trending in the right direction and some kind of information, even then it all sort of stems back to like, even the notion about the one hole hitter and being afraid that's still backed by some sort of data. Like you've observed that, right? Like you've been around that player. Those just aren't going to show up on stat sheets. Right. So the baseball guy, I want the baseball guy coaching the team. I don't want the, I don't want the button up The I don't want the front office guy. Stay out of my, stay out of my locker room. Stay out of Bobby's locker room guy. Or this, or the bedroom I'm doing this podcast from. Yeah. Um, closing thought, because we're running long here today. Um, so one of my thoughts at the ABCA convention this year, as I walked around, I was like, man, there are a lot of bat companies. Because we were just talking about bats. And I'm like, and I wanted to ask some of these guys. I didn't want to be a jerk. But I, I just honestly wanted to ask, because I think it's valuable as a business owner sometimes to get critical feedback. Um for someone to just be like, look, why are you doing this? But I wanted to ask some of these companies. I'm like, why should I buy a bat from you? Like your bat's $110. So is that dudes. So is that dudes. So is that dudes. So is that dudes. And there's 11 other bat companies. They're all $110. They all have nice finishes. They're all made of maple. And I personally, like there's only like a couple mills in the, in the world. Most of them are like Canada where there's only three. You're, 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 only you're three getting, you're getting your billets of wood from the same places. Like you can say it's better, but it's mostly coming from the same places, right? That's like a fact. Well, all right. So I'll get I'll give you the bat breakdown real quick. Is from what I understand, there's only three uh, mills you get the you get the billet. Like you said, they get the billets mm-hmm. from. It's the finish of the bat. So anybody can make a bat. I can make a bat right now. I go in the garage and whittle a bat the same it's gonna feel you, just you, like you you couldn't no don't, i could don't easy are you no you couldn't you're how would over be are you? this i got nothing but time it would look like a it would look like a it would look like a plantain it would be a piece <laughs> of trash big barrel so big barrel, small some handle. people with skills carpentry skills could maybe make a bat right now but not bobby stevens all right go ahead all right so when i'm making my bats in the garage it's all about the finish so well, but, but it's not. I mean, it is. It is about to finish. That so the layer the of reason, lacquer is not changing the performance. It's not. It's not lacquer. Significantly. It's not lacquer. It's the rosin they use. So Chandler bats. Quick story. The Chandler bat guy, which is arguably Chandler. Chandler's arguably the best bat, um, the hardest finish. So that guy used to be a furniture maker. Um, so the finish he's putting on the bats, he would put on furniture to harden up the wood, to make it nicer furniture. So when you use a Chandler bat, I mean, you miss hit one with a Chandler, it's not breaking the first time. Like those are good finishes. So uh, the bats I really like, um, Dovetail Bat is a good bat company, hard finish. Um, the finish definitely matters. If you get a, you, you know, you go to, if you get a Chandler bat or if you go to the store, I don't think Chandler bat. See, for someone, Chandler. for someone who believes in so many conspiracy theories and who doesn't believe in vaccines, the fact that you believe that this one millimeter finish actually makes a performance difference in a wood bat oh, is, man. is kind of baffling to me. Can we get, we're going to get, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the dovetail guy on. I'm going to get the dovetail guy. I guarantee though that these companies don't have any data that backs up the fact that like, say they had some studies done where I hit, you know, you had a pitching machine throwing 
75 mile per hour balls and your bat swung by a mechanical arm and you're taking bat a with no finish bat b with your proprietary finish i would almost guarantee there's no statistically significant difference between the two bats there's just no way because the ball is deforming then the ball reforms that's a large part of the bat ball collision the wood itself is what's absorbing most of it the bat is flexing that's producing a lot of the the energy that millimeter of finish isn't significantly hardening the wood because it's not soaking into the wood. It's on top of the wood. That's not, not soaking that's not into necessarily the, true though. If it's an oil, right, it'll sink not, in. I don't. Well, I would I love to no, settle this debate, but I but I want data. I don't want to hear people's anecdotes. Right, well, I'm oh, give it you, feels better. I'm going to give you better. data. I think that's BS. I'm going to give you data. So I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to tweet it, Alan Nathan. After this, I'm going to ask him if that could possibly have any effect on the batter ball collision. I'm going to. I have. I have. Guys, I'm if it was, I, right if, when if we it get thick enough, here, if it was thick enough, it surely could. When we get off of here, no I'm way. calling. I'm there's calling no my dovetail guy. If they don't have data, I don't want to talk to him. All right, well, all right, you're because I'm not gonna. Guy. I'm not gonna argue. I'm a field guy. I'm a field. I'm guy. not gonna argue anecdote. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue the anecdote. So there's no, right, there's so, no shot. So there's a difference, though. All right, let me get back to real okay, quick. Go back. There, so there's at there's obviously ash, maple, and I used um um. Why birch? I used birch when I played. I just liked the way it felt. I liked the way it came off the bat. Uh, I used B forty five bats. So birch bats, uh, birch is porous as a wood, um, not huge holes in it, obviously, but like microscopic holes. So when you hit with birch, the bat is essentially getting harder and harder the more you use it. So th- there's a difference between birch. Maple is a harder wood. Um, ash bats have more. Ha- they have more grains to splinter so there's differences in the wood but the finish from what i understand at least from what i've talking to some of these guys is the finish is harder and it feels hard i mean definitely you use a chandler bat or you use a dovetail bat it feels significantly better off the bat than it does than like the guy down the street that made his homemade bat and just lacquered or painted the barrel like it definitely feels definitely feels different i don't know if there's data behind it i assume if they're going to claim something like that, that maybe some of these companies have data, but there are definitely popular bats. I mean, that's what made Marucci. Oh, for sure. Of course there's popular. That's what bats, made Marucci sure. as popular as it was, was the finish made, felt like the bat was harder. Um, Which I appreciate the craftsmanship. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on what you companies. hate. Well, you hate carpenters. You just hate. <laughs> My grandfather is your, a carpenter. He was a great, he's a great, the, great hate man. These guys, I'm a carpenter. I'm, Whittling I appreciate the finish. I like Marucci. I think they're a great company, personally. Um, love Marucci. They're excellent customer service. I think they're craft and their craftsmanship is what started their company. And I, I, yeah, a lot of our teammates when you and I play together swung Chandler bats, and I definitely respected the craftsmanship in a Chandler bat. I just my only real position here is that I just I don't think there's any statistically significant difference in ball flight off of any bat when the when the finish is that small. I mean. The difference between it, it could surely be a harder finish. It could surely be a, a, maybe a mill thicker, but it can't be significantly thicker because the bat's going to get heavy from it. You're going to have to start making the bat lighter in wood to account for a heavier finish. I mean, sure, when, you, when you paint an airplane, you paint an airplane, it adds like 1,500 pounds of weight to an airplane. You don't think about that tiny little bit of thickness. I mean, that's going to add an ounce 1, to 1,500 pounds? Do I need to research this too? Yeah, that, that's a fact. It's like between like 12 and 1,500 pounds. It's crazy three coats of paint on a massive, I mean, the service area of a 757, it's huge. It's a really, it's a really interesting fact. No wonder you can only bring on one, one carry on. <laughs> all right. On that note, um, <laughs> catch us on Friday, same time, 9am Eastern, 8pm or 8am 
Central Time here on Twitter, here on YouTube Live, and then check out the Morning Brushback podcast in podcast land. It is in the process of being up there. It should be up there soon if you search and want to listen to it on your commute or on audio or don't grace us uh, with your presence on video. Bobby, thanks for uh, thanks for a good, this was a good, good conversation today. I'm going to come back with data. Bring your data. See you next time. See ya. Get to heaven.